But we will um, kick this off. I know we don't have a lot of numbers, but I'm honored to be here. This is awesome. Um, what a what an incredible opportunity for me to be in this house, uh, just because of the history. I love this. Um, here at Cross Point uh, Church tonight in Sepulpa and, and um, men's ministry. I mean, this is about iron sharpening iron, right? I mean, this is what we're here to do. This is this is what we should be doing. This is how we this is how we survive. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I, I, the message that they came to me the other night, and, and Pastor Josh had asked me to do this way back at Fourth of July, and and um, just kind of was rolling around. I had no idea what I was going to do until just the other day. And uh, uh, God just poured this in, and, and I've, um, I was excited about it. I'm still excited about it. I think it's a great message. Um, but what I want to bring to you tonight is called Locked and Loaded. Locked and Loaded. Now, obviously, I've put a project out here on the table, something to look at. Is that a real gun? Uh, could be. What do you think it is? It looks like a gun, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a gun. It's actually a revolver, just single six, if you will. Um, most people don't have any problems recognizing the fact it's a gun. I mean, right? It looks like a gun. If you were to feel it, it feels like a gun. This is actually one of my favorites. Um, it was my dad's gun, and it's been in my family for a long, long time. But what you probably wouldn't know is that it's just a 22 caliber single-action revolver. Um, but we see it as a gun. You know, someone sees it, they recognize it. That's a gun. What are guns designed to do? good answer that's the simplest answer right a gun is designed to shoot most of us don't shoot as much as we used to <laughs> ammo's too hard to find and too expensive so we quit shooting but that's what a gun's designed to do a gun is designed to shoot now <clears throat> not this one well it's not that it's not designed to shoot it just this one won't shoot because it actually doesn't have any bullets in it and it has a safety feature so it's just because it's a single six, it has a certain design in how it's designed to shoot. So right now, this gun won't shoot because it doesn't have any bullets in it. It's not loaded, right? And it's not cocked. It's on safety. So it can't do anything. So even if it did have bullets in it, it still wouldn't function right. Because why? It's on safety. And it's not cocked. This particular style weapon has to be cocked in order for it to fire. It is a single action revolver, so that means that each time you fire it, it has to be cocked again. It's not going to do things on the other one. Now, the one I have on my hip is a different story, <laughs> and it is loaded, <laughs> so we'll leave it alone. But could you, could you determine if this gun was loaded just by looking at it? Did you know when I set it out here whether or not it was loaded or not? Could you tell that? No. I mean, you would hope that some guy doing a message isn't going to lay a loaded gun on the table with a crowd of people, right? I mean, I did position it to where at least it wasn't pointed at anybody. Even if it's not loaded, you should always treat a gun as if what? It's it is loaded. You should always treat a gun as if it's loaded. So, here's the question I want. If you can't tell whether or not this gun is loaded or not, just by looking at it. Now, you could get creative, and sometimes with a revolver, if you could see down the cylinder, you could probably see the bullet in that end of that cylinder. You can tell that at times. But for the most part, you can't tell 
that this gun is loaded. It's just a gun and it's designed to shoot. What about us? When people see you, when people see us, can they tell whether or not you're a believer or a follower of Jesus? I mean, it's a valid question, right? I mean, how many people did you encounter today? Uh, a lot. I, I mean, you, a few. A, a, could you tell if any of the people that you encountered today were followers of Christ? Have you ever really looked? You know, I mean, when you think about it, do we ever pay that much attention? Are people paying that much attention to us? Are people looking at us and wondering, I wonder if, and, and, I, and I don't use the word Christian much because our world is so watered that down. What I like to use is follower of Christ because a follower of Christ is, should be doing just that, following Christ, thus the label, not just simply a tag on our shirt that says I'm a Christian. So when people see us, if they can't necessarily tell, or when we look at someone, tell whether they're not a follower of Christ, and I'm not talking about whether you're a Baptist or a Pentecostal or an Episcopalian. That, I mean, that's, I mean, we can't tell that either, right? I mean, you can't see those labels. But whether or not they simply believe and follow Christ. Now, you can't look at your Facebook posts. You can't look at T-shirts. I can tell you a whole story about T-shirts. I met a young man on the side of the road one night that was broke down. And I didn't want to stop and help him. And God kicked me a little bit. And I had to turn around and go back and help this guy at a flat tire. He's wearing a Christian t-shirt. So I simply ask him, so are you a follower? And he's like, huh? <laughs> I said, I just saw your Christian t-shirt. He goes, oh, oh, daddy. So I, I actually picked it up at a thrift store. But guess what? It opened a conversation. It was pretty cool. Told another story. <clears throat> but so, you know, and, and oftentimes we even struggle telling whether somebody's a follower of Christ by their Facebook post or by the clothing they wear or, or even by your actions, right? Do people see Jesus when they look at you? It really should be something as men of God that we really consider important. Now, I'm not talking that you should spend your day carrying a Bible around with you you know, and do your best to walk straight up and, you know, speak with that tone of, you know, that pastoral tone. That's not what I'm talking about. So what should they see that would say, that guy's a follower of Christ? My son and I worked in, in um, the auto hail industry. We would travel, follow the hailstorms, um, fixing hail damaged cars all over the place. We've been to Colorado and you know, all over Oklahoma and different places. And you go in and out of these body shops, and you know, they're not usually the most spiritual of places to travel in and out of. They're pretty rough. Body shop guys can be pretty cruel. Anybody could be. It doesn't matter where you're at, welders, or it doesn't matter. Just whatever profession. Worldly, worldly trade today is a tough place to be. And we would go in and out of these body shops, and I had a body man ask me one day, we were in Newcastle, Oklahoma, and he said, dude, why are you always smiling? I'm like, out of anything, that's what he picked up on me, is I'm always smiling. 
yeah. It's like, why are you always smiling? Well, you know, honestly, because I have a pretty good life. And it wound up opening up a conversation. I, you know, I told him, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to follow Christ. I, you know, live my life the right way best I can. Two days later, we roll in that same shop, and this same guy catches up to, to comes up to my son and I. He kind of looks around a little bit and goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm just really struggling. He said, would, would you guys, would you mind, would you pray for me today? I'm like, sure, let's, let's just pray. So we had a prayer meeting right there in the middle of the body shop floor <laughs> before we even started our work day. But it's because he had already labeled us. He knew who we were simply because we were different than most people in that, in that facility that walked in and out of that shop. God designed us by nature to show when we're loaded. You might not be able to tell whether this is loaded or not just by looking at it. But you honestly should be able to see when you look at me that I'm loaded, that I'm prepared. And, and again, it's not necessarily the T-shirt I'm wearing. It's not necessarily the fact that I'm carrying the Word of God with me. But you should be able to see Jesus when you see me. Something about our countenance needs to change. It could simply be that maybe we need to brush up on who we really are so that we project what's, what's in us or what we claim is in us. So <clears throat> if we're designed by nature to show whether that we're loaded, that, we're, that when we're full of his spirit, when we have that charge in us, it really should show. I mean, it's something that ought to come out of us. It's something that ought to project from us in everything that we do. Now, if a gun's made to shoot, but followers of Christ are created differently. And we know what this is for. I mean, it's a lot of fun just shooting a gun. But what's a follower of Christ created for? See, we're actually created to glorify God. That's why he created man. He created man for fellowship. He created man for relationship. When he created Adam in the garden, think about this. He had already created all these animals. I mean, you know, it's awesome to pet a dog. I love dogs. I love horses. Very therapeutic. Don't want to feed them, but they're great for somebody else to own so I can go pet them. I've owned my share of them. They'll run you in the ground, you know. But, but so he's got all these animals around him, right? He's got all this creation, this, this beautiful thing that he's built. You ever had a conversation with a dog? It's only one-sided. Now, now, I have a dog that I'm pretty sure is ADD. He's a German Shepherd, but he came from Mexico, so he's confused. He, he's a Mexican-German Shepherd. He doesn't understand that, I guess. So he... He can't help but cry. He cries all the time. He whines and cries. All he wants is attention, but he's got so much ADD, he can't sit still long enough for you to pet him. So then he just cries some more. I mean, this, this, so this dog does try to communicate, but I can't really understand what he's saying. I mean, I get it, you know. He wants petting. He wants attention. A lot of things want our attention. But to actually hold a conversation... To actually commune together. That's what God was missing. All of this beautiful creation, and yet he still couldn't personally relate to anything. So he created man. Now, I love how Genesis says this. And this is, 
you know how many times you can go through the word and you see, see something new? It's like, whoa. I mean, you might have read this a thousand times and then all of a sudden the light bulbs are on. Now I'm really getting what this is saying. It's kind of what Genesis. I mean, Genesis is Genesis, right? God created everything. That's what Genesis is about in the first part. But what's really cool is the way it says when they talked about creating man. Because God said, let us create man in our image. I've never noticed that before. Nad goes on to say that God created man in his image. But before that, it says, let us create man in our image. Hmm. Kind of points to the Trinity there a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, when you really think about it, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost are having to talk, saying, Let's, let us create man in our image. Now, I shared a little bit about this Sunday. I mean, when I look in the mirror and, and I think of God creating me in his image, I think, Oof, surely not. <laughs> I mean, you know, surely I don't. I mean, God doesn't look like this, right? I mean, this is tacos and stuff, you know? I mean, surely God doesn't look like this. So, but, it, but what he did was he created us in his likeness, with his same spirit, with everything, because he wanted relationship. He wanted fellowship. He want, and, and then you go on to look at what Adam got to do. Can you imagine getting off work, you know, you've been tasked with naming all the animals he created. So you've been at work all day naming stuff. Obviously, you're making things up at certain points. I mean, who comes up with calling something a tick? You know, why did God create them? I don't know. But anyway, so here's Adam. He's doing his job. And then in the cool of the evening, him and God, the creator, walk around together discussing life. I, I just, that astounds me. When I really think about it, it's real simplistic. It's real simple. God's really not complicated. He just desires relationship. He desires fellowship with us. You know, what does that look like? What does it really mean? I mean, we know what this is created for, but what are we created for? We're created to commune with God, to be in fellowship with him, to walk with him, to talk with him, to let him talk to us. We do a lot of talking sometimes. You know, we spend a lot of time talking to God. And I'm sure there's times where he's sitting up there going, just shut up. Let me respond. My daughter, my daughter's a mess. The girl would text me, right? Well, I mean, I know how to text. I can text like a junior high school girl right now. I mean, I, I know how to do that, right? I'm a social butterfly. So she texts me. But before I can respond, she's going, hello? Give me a minute. <laughs> I'm working on it, you know? I mean, I don't know how they do that so fast. I, I mean, I type with two fingers anyway, but, but, and I'm pretty quick, but not that fast apparently. But anyway, this, this relational factor, it, we are built to be in communion with God. And, and, and by nature, when we're loaded with his spirit, when, when we're given his spirit, it should show. Something in us should project. Obviously, this gun is made to shoot. But followers of Christ, we're here to glorify his kingdom. 
We're, we're, we're all about his kingdom. We should be about his kingdom business. What is that? Well, he told his disciples, which wasn't just for them, it was for us. You know, where everyone gets hung up on the Great Commission, God said to go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we've taken this Great Commission as the word go. That's not the Great Commission. I mean, you think about it. We're the goingest people there's ever been. We go everywhere. So the Great Commission was actually, as you go, preach the gospel. Tell the story. Tell, tell what this life's about. You know, that, that, that's what we're commissioned to do. We're actually commanded to do this. That we're to share his word. It needs to shine in us. You know, the Bible talks about in Matthew about being a city on a hill. So that people see. They, they understand. You know, there, there's a beacon coming out of us. A bullet can't come out of a gun if it's not loaded. It's not possible. A bullet can't come out of that gun unless I put one in it. You're not, unless you are loading yourself on the Word of God, unless you are loading up, you have nothing to offer. You spend any time in prayer? Well, I'm not talking about the, oh dear Lord, we're not going to make it this month. Can you help us? I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about, do you ever really just spend some time just spending time with the Lord, communicating, talking with Him? Just on a regular basis. You know, I, I love um, I, I love the country life. I, I love, I grew up in the country, grew up in a little farm stuff, you know, and I, and I live in the country now. I took Rhonda out of the city, took her to the country. She loves this. But we have a back porch swing, covered porch, back, back swing. And in the mornings, I love taking my coffee out on that porch swing. I love listening to the quail whistle. Might be a cow bawling, you know, the birds chirping, the squirrels chattering at each other. There is something about being in God's creation. And what's it do for me? I begin to reflect on the Lord. You know, God pours things into me right there. You know, he shows me things. He speaks to me. It, it's that quiet time. Because, you know, when you look at, when you, when you look at biblical stories, and I love, I love the story of Elijah. It was one of my favorite characters in the Word. But here Elijah has done all of this phenomenal stuff. And then he runs scared from a woman. Why? I mean, she had the power and the authority to take his head. And that's what she wanted was his head on a platter. So he goes and hides in a cave. I love the depiction. And I don't, I don't know it word for word. But the way it describes that is it describes it where you know, God calls him out of the cave. So he, he, come, he said, come out here. He comes out and there's a huge earthquake. And then there's this wildfire. And then there's this storm. And God says, I'm not in the earthquake. I'm not in the fire. I'm not in the storm. But then Elijah hears the gentle whisper of God speaking to him. That, that sometimes the chaos of this world gets so noisy. We need to stop and just take a break and let God whisper into us what he wants us to have. Are you spending time in prayer to fill yourself with the things that God desires you to, to, to actually possess? Even if you have a wealth of biblical or theological knowledge, which I do not have either one, even if you have all this wisdom stored up, is your hammer cocked? You can be loaded full of everything you need to know, 
But if you're not ready to fire, you're not going to be able to shoot at the time you need to. Are you sitting around with the safety on? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus with others? We like our safety zones, our comfort spots, where we don't have to, you know, I ain't going over there. I, I don't want to hang out in that. And Man, I'm not saying anything. That might put me on the spot. I might have to answer somebody's question. Is that really what God's called us to do? Or has he called us to be men of God, to share, especially with our younger generations, our young men that are coming up in a world that's not good, not good at all. It's different from when we grew up, way different. An empty gun with a safety on doesn't do what it was designed to do. Just a decoration, paperweight. But being a follower of Christ is not supposed to be just looks. It's not supposed to be just showing up on Sunday morning, just showing up on Wednesday night. That's, that's not enough. That's not it. That's, that's not what being a follower of Christ is all about. It's, it's not just about the looks. Get, get filled on the Word of God with time spent in the Word, reading the Word. I'm not good at that. Never have been. You know, I, I, I literally have to work at getting in God's Word on a timely basis. And, and I preach. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm all the time speaking somewhere, but I still struggle. That's, that's, not a, that's not something that comes easy to me. Spending time in prayer, letting God to, to fill you with courage and boldness. See, His Word emboldens us. It, 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 I mean, you look at Acts. I love the book of Acts. When you look at those disciples, when, you know, when, they're, when they're there and, and he, literally, he literally says that, that Lord, pr- give us boldness, that with all boldness we can go into this world and preach the gospel. And, and as they prayed that, the ground where they were standing began to shake. That's what I want. I want God to pour into me that the ground around me begins to shake. That desire to be who God's called us to be, to be men of God. That's a whole term that we have lost. Being men of God, men of God in this house, men of God in our homes, men of God in our families, men of God in our work. Again, it's not about screaming scripture. It's about being a man of integrity. It's about being a man of trust. It's about being a man that people can look up to. Being a man who who can be encouraged. You know, they they can encourage other people. Let him fill up your powder keg. When you think about that, man, we're literally a vessel. But until God pours into us, we don't have anything to give. But let him pour into you so much that it begins to overflow. It's not just about us. It's about everyone we encounter. It's up to you to cock the hammer. And it's up to you to pull the trigger. I can cock the hammer on this gun all day long. But unless I took an action to pull that trigger, that hammer's not going to fall. You, you can walk around loaded. You can walk around with the hammer cocked. Off safety, man. Ready to fire. But if you never pull the trigger, nothing ever comes out. It has to be done in that fashion. Jesus commanded in Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples. I, I like that there's some actual translation where it says in, in verse 19, to go therefore and make disciples. One of the translations actually says to, to go therefore and disciple. 
Not make them. Do it. Disciple. You'll go therefore and do the work. You know, what, what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. Well, I've often taught you can't be a good leader until you've been a great follower. You'll never be a good leader until you're a great follower. We've got to learn to follow before we can ever lead anyone. Go therefore into all the world and, and, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. I love this part. And remember, <laughs> always remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God never leaves us, never forsakes us. We may feel high and dry at times. He's right there. He's never left us. Jesus created us as a weapon. We're literally created as a weapon. He created the ammunition through his word. But he gave each of us the choice as to whether or not we load the gun, cock the hammer, pull the trigger. That's always our choice. He's given us everything we need, but then he leaves it up to us. We have to make that decision. We have to do that. I encourage each of you to engage in actively pursuing the heart of God. It's not something that comes natural. I mean, we have to work at this. You know, our world, especially today in such chaos, we're going to have to fight to be men of God. We're going to have to fight to be men of integrity. We're going to have to fight. I, I, John Bevere, I recently read a, a, a devotion, actually preached some of the message. He, he talked about needing, he was, in, he was in trouble. He needed to hear a word from the Lord. So he decides, I'm going to go camping. We like to camp, right? I do not anymore. Motel 6 is great. I love camping in a Motel 6, man. Hot shower, nice bed, you know, restaurant close by. I, I'm game. This stuff of going out and sleeping on the ground anymore, I, eh, it's not for me. But anyway. So Bavir decides, I'm going to go camping. So he goes into the wilderness, right? Just sets his tent up, gets his camp all nice and tidy, and then he just begins to cry out to the Lord. He gets in the Word, and he reads Scripture. He prays, and he seeks God for three or four hours. He's, he's just going at it. Nothing. Crickets. You ever been there? He finally is like, oh, man. So he goes to bed. Thinking, I'll just, just go to sleep. We'll have at it again in the morning. He said that night, he's pretty sure every demon in hell played in his dreams. Caused him grief all night. Woke up tired, wore out. Said, oh, I'll, just, I'll take a little hike, clear my head, you know. So he's hiking up the trail. And he goes for a little ways. And again, you know, he's not hearing anything. He's not feeling anything. God's just not talking to him. And so he finally said, all right, God, I guess you've got me in a wilderness. Guess I'll go home. And he said, at that very moment, there was this gentle whisper in his spirit. And all it said was fight. Fight. So he said, I just began to shout scripture. And the more I shouted it, the louder I got the more excited I got. The next thing you know, I'm running up and down that mountain trail, shouting the word of God to every tree I could see, everything I could find. He said, it fired me up. I went home changed. You know what the wilderness is, guys? 
and I, and I preached a message on this just recently too, the wilderness, it's actually called the midbar if you go to the Hebrew word. Hebrew word for, for wilderness is midbar. It actually translates from the word debar in the, in the original writings, and it is the voice, the place where someone speaks. If you think about history of the Bible, God met every man of God in the wilderness. Burning bush with Moses. Elijah, the cave. Everywhere the wilderness is, is holy ground. You find yourself in a wilderness, you're on holy ground. Pay attention. This is time to seek the Lord. It's time to rise up and be men of God in our churches, men of God in our homes, our communities, and our families. Engage in sharing your faith and your story with anyone who will listen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What he was simply saying was tell your story. Because it's your story that will change people's lives. It's your story. And it's not, I love this because I've heard some evangelists over my lifetime. And, I, you know, early, early on in, in me thinking that maybe I was being called by God to be in a ministry, I ran along long ways from that for a long time. But I had this evangelist come to this youth deal one time, and, and this guy's standing up there talking about how he'd been knifed 17 times and shot three times and this, and he's telling us, and I'm thinking, uh, I don't want to be shot or stabbed or stuck or anything else. God, I don't have a story. Oh, do you not have a story? See, the Word says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, and they overcame him, our enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. That's our surrender to Christ. So they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Not who they were in the world. Not some gangbanger that's been shot 17 times. No. Their story of how God drew them out of the darkness into the light. Their story of redemption. Their story of being set free. When you begin to tell someone your story of being set free, it's going to change people's lives. I tell my story all the time. AJ's probably heard it a thousand times. I got all kinds of story I can tell you. Even though I've never been stabbed or never been shot. I've never been run over by anything. You know? But I have faced life challenges, and God has saw me through them. Many of which, I don't know how. That's what he's calling us here. To be men of God, men of integrity, fired up for him. Man, what a time to be a servant of the Lord. There's, this is not the time to go crawl in a hole because the world's going nuts. This is the time to stand up and shout from the rooftops, I know a guy. I know a guy that can set you free from this junk. I know a guy who can deliver you. I know a guy who can help you. I know a guy who will love you for who you are. We have a world of darkness around us. But one of the coolest things about darkness, scientifically, darkness doesn't even exist. Scientifically, it doesn't even exist. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Or the light. And light dispels darkness. You don't see any shadows creeping in here as it gets dark today. But you'll see light going out of here into the darkness. That's how it always works. That's how it always works. We are the light of the Lord. We're a light. We're a city on a hill. 
we are to shine brightly to all that we encounter. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence, for your spirit, for your power. And God, I ask you to take this message tonight, burn it into our hearts, sear it into our minds, sear it into the depths of who we are. Because God, you created us to be men of God, men of integrity, men to speak life into this world, to carry that light into the darkness, to seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. God, teach us to load the weapon. Get into your word, God. The very ammunition that you've given us, the very weapon that you've, you've weaponized us with, your word, God, that we speak it boldly into the lives and the hearts of those who need to hear our story. God, give us a strength and an encouragement to get into this world and be who you've called us to be. God, I ask you to bless this house. God, that you fill this place up with men seeking you. God, that you draw them unto you as this hilltop becomes a place of, 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 a, of a lighthouse shining out to those around them. God, we thank you so much for these men who've come here tonight. And God, I pray blessing upon them and their house. And that God, more than anything, you draw them closer to you than they've ever been before. And you start a fire in them that cannot be put out. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>